you beyond the borderline this is a podcast dedicated to exploring in a realistic and hopeful way what it's like to live with borderline personality disorder and other mental health problems. My name is Aline and I am your host for this podcast. I want to issue a proviso at the beginning of the podcast which is that this is absolutely not a substitute for professional mental health and or medical intervention. So please seek out those sources of support if you need them. And I also want to mention that I will be discussing topics such as self-harm and suicidal ideation and addiction that may be triggering for a number of people. I aim not to discuss those topics in a detailed way as I don't really think that adds anything to the discussion and does not really fit in with the mission of this podcast. However, in a spirit of being authentic about my life with borderline personality disorder, those topics will be mentioned in this and subsequent episodes. And I will do my best to issue trigger warnings before I start discussions about those or other potentially triggering topics. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Beyond the Borderline. I think it's pretty inevitable that this episode is going to be about coping with social isolation and COVID-19 slash coronavirus. Before I start the episode, I will let you know that there's going to be some swearing in the episode. So if that offends you, please stop listening and go and listen to something else. I also, before starting the episode, want to thank you all for making Beyond the Borderline one of the top 100 mental health related podcasts on iTunes. That is quite an achievement and I'm really grateful to you for listening and proving to me that this information is needed and hopefully useful. Listen to the end of the episode when I'll be playing a voicemail message from a lovely listener. And thank you to all the listeners who have written reviews of the podcast. I appreciate it. So I'm recording this episode on about my fourth day of full-on social and physical isolation. Now, I'm not displaying symptoms of coronavirus or a cold, so at this point I am pretty much going out for groceries and a daily walk, but that's about it. Four days in and I'm starting to feel the pressure of being stuck indoors nearly 24 hours a day. Despite my support network and coping tools, my emotions are all over the place and I alternate between frustration, rage, anxiety and back again to frustration. Adding to my current frustration is that one of my medications was recently changed from slow release to fast release because fast release versions of this medication are apparently cheaper to produce. The fast release meds make me much more sluggish in the morning and wear off faster at night, which is why I am recording this episode of the podcast at 4am. Many of my favourite distractions like window shopping and coffee shop outings are not possible right now and it's amazing to me what a different seemingly small pleasurable distractions make to my life. This is something I'm much more conscious of now that I can't do them. 
The reality is that I don't know how long this unprecedented state of affairs is going to last and all the healthy coping strategies in the world can't remove the fact that being physically isolated from others is taking a mental and emotional toll on me. It really sucks. Despite all the happy clappy posts on social media about this being an opportunity, looking for the learning and the healing in it, honestly, it's a really difficult situation. So as usual, I'm going to bring you some suggestions for ways to make this enforced period of isolation more bearable. These suggestions are specifically geared towards my peers with BPD. However, they may be helpful to you irrespective of your mental health diagnosis. So here goes, build mastery, build mastery. Building mastery is part of the DBT skill called ABC Please. In a nutshell, it's about doing something that's outside of your comfort zone, yet still doable. So it's not unrealistic for you to do this activity, whatever it is. By doing an activity that is out of your comfort zone and yet still doable, you gain a sense of control and achievement. In a situation where I have limited control, finding ways in which I can take control in a healthy manner can change my perspective. Ways in which I'm building mastery are currently by figuring out how to revamp my online store for my jewellery, researching new part-time and freelance work for the future, and doing an online jewellery making course. I'm also reading a book on the history of witchcraft, which is really interesting, and I'm continuing to make jewellery at home. Now, there are many ways of building mastery. A short list could include taking an online lesson, learning a language, researching something, reading a book, doing a chore like ironing your clothes or sourcing through your mail, or figuring out how to use an online platform. The idea with building mastery is that it makes you actively participate in an activity that stretches you while also giving you a sense of achievement. It's active rather than passive. Building mastery could also look like distracting yourself by watching Netflix rather than self-harming or sending a text rather than isolating. It will look different for each of us. So the idea is to find something personal to you that you know is a little bit of a stretch but something that will give you a sense of achievement if you try it. My second tip is to stay connected. Connecting with others can be hard enough at the best of times for those of us with BPD and mental health challenges. And the situation we find ourselves in makes connecting harder in some ways. Now, I know that disconnecting is a familiar coping strategy for many of us and being forced to stay indoors can be an excuse, if you will, to just disconnect from the world and retreat further into isolation. The reason I am trying to stay connected with others, even when I don't want to, is because I need connection to stay grounded in reality. Without connection, I end up becoming lost in extreme emotions or numbing out or acting self-destructively, which impacts my mental and emotional health negatively. So once again, this skill or coping tool is going to look different for different people. It could look like joining an online support group or texting or calling safe friends and family members, posting on social media platforms, having a virtual therapy session, having a phone appointment with your doctor or psychiatrist, attending an online support group, emailing safe friends and family, calling neighbours or calling a crisis line or helpline. 
Comedy is another tool that I'm using quite a lot at the moment. It's my new go-to way of distracting myself. I slap on a comedy sitcom or light-hearted TV show or YouTube comedy skit to distract myself. And some of my current favourites are RuPaul's Drag Race, Conan O'Brien and Saturday Night Live skits on YouTube, Seinfeld episodes and Key and Peele skits also on YouTube. Cut. I definitely recommend comedy. Okay, my next tip is that you can start or restart the day whenever you want. So as an example, yesterday I woke up at 12pm. I was pretty upset with myself, but there really wasn't much I could do. And I remembered some advice that was given to me, which was you can start the day again whenever you want. So what I did is I texted a peer just to express that I was feeling kind of pissed off with myself. Also, as a way of staying accountable, saying that I was going to get up, which I did. I had a shower and I changed my clothes and I did feel a lot better afterwards, even though I didn't get what I thought I should, in quotes, get done during the day. So remember, you can start the day again whenever you want, even if you just get up, wash and get back into bed. My next coping tool is that I am radically accepting that my emotions will be more volatile than usual. There is no getting around the fact that we are in a pretty extreme situation. Those of us who have flu or COVID-19 symptoms or who are in high-risk categories are literally sequestered indoors. Those of us who do not currently have symptoms are restricted to essential outings to buy food, attend to medical needs and in some cases go to work. During my first few days of physical and social isolation I was determined to be super productive and to make the most of extra time. After a couple of days I was forced to accept that managing my emotions was going to be harder than I thought and that I needed to lower my expectations of myself significantly. I am still getting stuff done, just not at the rate I think I should be getting stuff done. One of my favourite tips for figuring out what to do, by the way, is a three-item to-do list. This is realistic and achievable for me and almost always leaves me feeling better when I write it out and tick items off the list. Keeping up a regular sleep and eating schedule is another helpful coping strategy. Now, to be honest, this is getting harder for me to stick to at the moment. And some of my eating disordered behaviours, like limiting certain food groups, have reappeared. With the change in medication format plus added anxiety, my sleep cycle is disrupted. So I had a couple of thoughts about this. I'm currently doing some 12-step recovery work, which is quite emotionally taxing. In addition to being socially isolated, so it makes sense that I would be sliding back into disordered food patterns. Rather than hit the fuck it button and fall into extremes around my food behaviours, right now I am focusing on eating regular meals to a fixed schedule with some flexibility and accepting that that is okay for now. My sleep is off key too, partially because of the medication issues described above, even though I am making an effort to stick to a schedule of turning off the light by midnight, even though, to be honest, I often want to stay up half the night watching Netflix because fuck it. I don't need to get up tomorrow. Pierce suggested some sleep meditations, which I'm going to check out. Plus, I will be practicing self-advocacy this week by contacting my GP to ask for my meds to be changed back to a slow release. Right now it's 6am and I've been up since 3am. And once I realised I couldn't get back to sleep, I decided to work on this podcast episode rather than lie in bed obsessing about not being able to sleep. I'll probably end up having a nap during the day and I am trying to take a middle path approach right now 
expecting myself to be able to stick to a, in quotes, perfectly regulated sleep schedule is not going to happen. But I can do the best I can and avoid a fuck it mentality because kind of okay is better than completely gone to shit. Exercise. And I must admit, I'm finding it hard to motivate myself to exercise, though I know it benefits my mood. I have been taking my regulation one outing for exercise per day by going for a walk. And over the past couple of days, I was able to an at-home workout. And I, I will admit, I did feel better afterwards. If you can find some form of exercise, even for 10 minutes a day, I recommend giving it a go. If you are able to get outside, take advantage of the vitamin D and fresh air, I recommend going for a walk. And if you can't get outside, I would recommend opening your windows to let fresh air circulate in your home. That just seems to make a difference. The next coping strategy is gratitude. Now, I realise that gratitude is not everyone's cup of tea. And I must say, when I'm struggling emotionally, being told to write a gratitude list feels massively invalidating. At the same time, it can help to write down a few things you are grateful for, even if you don't feel it. Making a habit of this is apparently scientifically proven to help tackle depression. So you know, why not try it out? And it's okay to hate doing it, by the way. I still struggle with gratitude, but writing down things I appreciate in my life does help to lessen my focus on the things that scare, anger and hurt me. Examples for me currently are being able to go outside, the sound of birds, my phone and the fact that I live in my own flat. Now, another coping strategy which can be helpful is the strategy or tool of coping ahead. The way that that works is you imagine the kind of worst case scenario that you're worried about and then you figure out a plan for how you would cope with that outcome if it arose. The thing about this that can be helpful is it's not the same as like ruminating and catastrophizing about, oh my God, this is going to happen or that's going to happen. You basically say to yourself, okay, so my worst concern at the moment is if X, Y or Z happens. So if X, Y or Z does happen, how am I going to realistically deal with it? And that can just take some of the worry and the pressure off you because if this worst case scenario happens, which of course you don't know that it will you do have something in place to help you cope with it. So at the moment, depending upon where you are and what your concerns are, you know, your your worst case scenarios might be based around your mental health deteriorating or family or friends getting unwell or you getting COVID-19 or whatever else is going on for you. I'm not suggesting that any of these things are going to happen. I know for me, one of my concerns is around my mental health deteriorating even more than getting COVID-19, although of course I don't want to get COVID-19. So I'm trying to consider like, what will I do if that happens and how will I cope with it? Also, another kind of related part of this coping strategy is, at least for me, is thinking realistically about, well, where am I in relation to what this worst fear is? And the reality is I'm not anywhere near as, in quotes, 
bad as I think I am related to my mental health. And a way of assessing that for me is to check the facts. One way that I checked the facts recently was scheduling um, a phone consultation with a GP, just explaining my concerns about myself and my anxiety levels. You know, the feedback I got was, you sound like you're doing okay. If you're really concerned and you feel that things are not going well, then this is a local community mental health team number that you can call. Now, it didn't alleviate all my fears, but it really did help because I felt like I'd been proactive and I had some information about what to do if I do think that things are going downhill regarding my mental health, which for the moment they're not. So that might be something that you can use and you can use it around any situation. And in general, you can use it around situations not related to COVID-19. So another way that I'm currently using this kind of strategy is around work. Now, I am looking for other work. I was starting to get really frightened about the fact that I'm not going to have that much work in April, I'm very lucky in that I do still get benefits which tide me over and cover my essentials and that's really great. But I will be looking for work at such time as things are a bit more normalised and we're able to get out and about because the work that I'd be looking for is not work that would be considered like essential frontline work. I'm actually getting some help in rejigging my CV. I'm thinking about different types of freelance work I can do. The main issue is that I'm I'm looking for help around these things because left to my own devices I just start freaking out and I start catastrophizing that I'm going to be destitute etc etc which is absolutely not the case. By actually seeking help around my CV and looking at different places that I could contact for work, that is some way of taking back control, taking whatever action I can and then accepting that outside of that there's not much I can do. So that's definitely something that I recommend at the moment in a situation like this where there's so much uncertainty. The next coping tool that I want to propose to you is being of service. Now, I'm not talking about overextending yourself or helping others at the expense of yourself. It's something I've done a lot. It does not really help anyone as far as I'm concerned. What I'm talking about are ways of being helpful and bringing some ease to other people as a way of distracting from yourself, your thoughts, your fears, etc. So there are a couple of ways that you could do this. One way is to put together a box of food and toiletries for NHS workers if you're in the UK or health workers in any other country that you're in. In my local area, there are a number of groups that have been set up to raise money and supplies for frontline workers. Checking on friends and family and neighbours is a way of being of service. As an aside, a Twitter follower had a really fabulous idea of creating handmade cards and posting them through her neighbour's letterboxes, which I think is such a lovely and creative way of helping others and also keeping yourself occupied and staying connected to other people. Other ways of being of service are participating in online support groups. 
You can also in the UK volunteer with the NHS if you're able to leave your flat. I believe there are opportunities to drive supplies to vulnerable people or do shopping for vulnerable people. You can also be a befriender, if you will, or someone who calls people who might be lonely and isolated. I'm sure there will be opportunities your own country or city to get involved in helping your local health service if you want. You could also work as a crisis line volunteer if you feel able to do that right now. But remember that it doesn't have to be anything really full on. Simple acts of service like texting a friend or a family member do make a difference. So if that's something you feel able to do, I highly recommend it. Keep in mind that change is inevitable. So even though in this current situation it may feel like it's going to be like this forever and it's never going to change and we're stuck in this situation, the reality is that it will change. It might not change today or tomorrow, but it will change. I also recommend avoiding the news as much as possible. I noticed last week that on the one day that I was continually checking the news headlines on my phone, my anxiety level ramped up super high and took me into panic attack territory. I am currently looking at the headlines and then trying to avoid looking at the headlines or anything to do with the news until the evening or the next day. I don't have a TV, so I don't watch TV news. I tend to look at the news on my phone and it can be really tempting to just keep looking at the news headlines on a few minutes just to see what's going on and it really doesn't help my mental and emotional state. I, based on my experience, will suggest that you don't watch or listen to too much news if possible. That's about it for my current tips on coping with social isolation and COVID-19. I'm sure there's a lot of stuff that I've missed out and I'd really love to hear your coping strategies and what's going on for you in this very strange time that we're living through. As always, you can tweet me at beyond the border 3 that's at beyond the b-o-r-d-e-3 and uh, I love to hear from you. You can always drop me episode suggestions in terms of themes for future episodes that you'd like to hear covered. I can't guarantee that I will cover them but I will certainly take all suggestions into consideration. You can leave the podcast a review on your podcast network. That would be much appreciated because it helps raise the podcast's profile. It helps to get this information out to people who may benefit from it. I do this podcast for free. It's a labour of love. It's a form of advocacy for me. My main goal with the podcast is to be of service to other peers with BPD and mental health challenges. Before I go, I'd like to take the opportunity to share a listener voicemail, which I really appreciate. You can leave a voicemail for the podcast if you wish. You should get the prompt through Anchor, which is the platform that I record the podcast onto. Feel free to leave a voicemail. It would be great to hear from you. Unless you tell me otherwise, I will share it on an upcoming episode. 
Hi, Aline. I just wanted to say thank you so much for your incredible podcast. Um, I came across your podcast when I was going through the worst mental health crisis of my entire life. Um, I, it was really hard for me to come to terms with my illness and a lot of self-stigma I had around that, but listening to your podcasts helped me to feel a lot less alone um, and a lot less shame around it. It's really helped me to heal. It's been such an important tool as a whole. And the individual tools that you mentioned that you go through in all of your episodes have been invaluable in getting me through some pretty intense emotional waves. So thank you so much. You're doing amazing work. And yeah, I can't thank you enough. I'm going to end the episode there. And as always, I am sending you my best wishes for a peaceful 24 hours ahead and at the very least, a few peaceful moments in your day. Peace out.